Hi, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. We're doing something very different this week. We are going to postpone our previously recorded episodes and we're going to release this one first. So this is being recorded on March 18th and you will be listening to it on March 23rd. And the reason we're doing that is because the world has changed quite a lot since the last time Cam and I sat down to record an episode of Translating ADHD. Yeah. And as coaches, we are seeing the impact not just in our own lives and our own communities, but in our clients. And those impacts are very different because the manifestation of ADHD itself and what is supportive for our clients and what has been disrupted for our clients is different per client. So we just want to take some time to kind of talk about what's going on with us and our clients so that you, listener, can maybe take some information away to help manage the disruption for yourself. Cam, you want to say more about that? Yeah. So as we were talking about some of our own experience with this new norm, if, if that's what we want to call this sort of new reality that is evolving every single day, is it looking at how it impacts our clients with ADHD? Just to go through with some of those scenarios and that the listener is able to kind of like identify with one of those or get in touch with their own experience. I think that change is hard. Uh, major disruption is extremely difficult. And this whole thing is impacting people in ways that we can't fathom. I'm um, fairly insulated from this experience. I work from home. I teach from home. And so in a way, you know, I'm, I'm self-isolated already that I, my disruption to my day is, is relatively minimal. But I know lots of people have had tremendous disruption. And so in the face of that disruption, what are the opportunities there? And with respect to the, the overlying theme of this podcast is, how do I put one foot in front of the other? How do I stay productive when I've lost routine, when I've lost that, that uh, practice of what I've known was a habit is all of a sudden turned on its head. So we've been talking about supportive people and supportive environments under the, the, the umbrella of resources. Lots of people are, are losing those supportive environments and where they are productive. So how do you adjust for that? The loss of routine. The, these structures that we take for granted all of a sudden have ceased to exist, or they've shifted in some radical way. And how do we adjust to make the most of the situation? Number one, take care of yourself. This is not about coronavirus. This is about living with ADHD in the midst of this coronavirus situation. Absolutely. So let's bring in some client examples. And obviously, these are all very recent. And so we will not have the sort of completion story arcs that we have had for you surrounding other concepts, but this is more intended to get you thinking about 
what are the disruptors for you? What are the things to turn your attention toward? So before we hit record, I was telling Cam about a client of mine who is a student and who waits tables. And so she's got a twofold disruption going on. Number one, her dining room at her restaurant was closed. So her income went away overnight. And that's a big, scary deal. Now, I'm really fortunate that I am in similar shoes to Cam, that I'm pretty insulated from this. I work from home and my husband has a job that is fully telecommutable. So I am able to keep working with her at a reduced rate that works for her during this time. And she needs coaching support now more than ever because the other major disruption is the fact that we had just done all this amazing work around school and the supportive environments available to her on campus and how showing up on campus was the thing that was a catalyst for everything that needed to happen after that. So showing up for that first class was the catalyst to do her homework, to study, to get the questions answered where she's confused. And that has all gone away because her campus, like most others in the United States, have gone fully virtual. So I haven't actually had the opportunity to talk to this client yet because we were scheduled to speak earlier this week. And because of her income disruption, she thought that she could no longer afford coaching. We're going to talk later today. So I don't know what that means, but I know what we have to turn our attention toward. And it's those two things, managing life in the face of income disruption and in the face of losing that supportive environment of campus and how to find other supports in this new reality that will help her get through the rest of the semester as best as she can. As you were speaking there, I was just thinking about those six areas, those six areas that we asked clients to kind of measure around that question, the universal question of why is it that I don't do what I know I ought to do? And so I was scratching them down while you were talking And I've got five, and maybe you can help me with the six, Shelly. I've got five, and I got the one that really matters here. So it was level of interest. Oh, I got him. I got him. It just came to me. Level of interest, level of ease, right? Where's that emotional piece, too? There's an emotional element that folds in there somewhere. Level of fun, level of relevance, and level of urgency. There's five. The, the sixth one that I think is really coming to play here with this major disruption is this accountability piece. I started naming it accountability, didn't really like that. I think something that's more appropriate is kind of structural supports, right? So when we talk about supportive environments, there are certain elements in there, there are structural pieces that kind of, it gives the tent the poles to hold up the actual canopy, the structural elements that allow us to be successful in our day. So when we have, again, a co- co-working space, an office to go to, a routine in our morning to make that happen, to transition to go from our house to our place of work or school, 
right? She goes to school and she hits her marks through the day. She knows that she has a certain class, econ at 10 o'clock and philosophy at two. And then she sort of suspends between those structure points. And we count on those structure points to hit our marks and to build, uh, again, uh, intentions around preparation for that, that, that econ class and then take away the notes from it and transition over to the philosophy class. I think that what we can do is we take those structural elements for granted. We don't really see them in play until they're actually taken away. And this is one of these opportunities right now is with this incredible disruption is what are those supportive pieces that maybe have been taken away and temporarily, right? We're going to get through this. We're going to find our way forward. Your student is going to go back to school eventually. She's going to go back to waiting tables eventually. It's a matter of time. But now the opportunity is to see what are those supports, and they can come in the form of people too, those regular contacts with individuals in the office provides these structural supports that helps us move from task to task to completion to completion. Yeah. And as we were saying before we started recording today, our clients kind of have an edge here because we're having these conversations with them already. So my student was able to immediately recognize what support she was losing because we had done the work Mm -hmm. to recognize those supports and utilize them in the first place. So those of you who haven't yet done that work, as Cam said, it's an opportunity to, in the absence of those supports, maybe notice the impact and how important they really were. And I have another client for whom that happened because this was something that we hadn't discussed. I didn't even know that she had a membership to a co-working space. She's a freelancer. I've been working with her for months and that has simply just never come up because it wasn't relevant to what we were talking about. But that was the first thing she brought up today, which was the first time we talked since things have changed in our area because she was recognizing that that co-working space was supportive for her for a couple of different reasons. The first one was the social support element. Even though she didn't have co-workers in the co-working space, she was among other people that were working. And that sort of body doubling was an enabler for her to shift into work. The second piece was home right now is not a supportive environment for a couple of reasons for productive work. And so her solution at the time was to join the co-working space and solve that issue that way. Well, now we have to look at what is it about home that isn't supportive and what can we do to make it as supportive as possible? I want to back up and back out for just a moment because I think listeners are going to be saying, yeah, that's my experience. Or they also might be saying, no, that's not my experience with this whole thing. And I think that looking at that and, and you know, looking at, is there a loss of supportive environment? Is there a loss of routine? Likely that one of those two situations are, is occurring. But I also have had fascinating other, other interesting 
conversations with clients and their experience with this matter. I've got some leaders or business owners who are, they're looking ahead. This sort of, again, a strength of individuals with ADHD, that, that high associative, that visionary to kind of see beyond. They're already seeing beyond this. And so they're dealing with the current situation, recognizing the challenge, but also they're looking beyond in the sense of the opportunity once we come out of this. And it's fascinating to kind of watch that at work of how they're taking this in stride, but then also anticipating and how they can move forward as we come out of this situation, whether it's two months, four months, or eight months. So there's that. There's also another interesting one is, you know, life is getting kind of pretty straightforward and simple these days. There's, there are not a lot of options. There are not a lot of choices. And so folks are not burdened with so many decisions in the moment. And some folks are like, hey, it's pretty clear what's a priority. That in the case that this is, I wouldn't wish this upon anyone, but in this situation, they're getting a sense of, oh, it's clear what I have to do. And all I have to do is do it to manage the situation and get through it. And so in a way for them, it's given them this, uh, uh, this focusing element. And then there's others where, again, it might exacerbate overwhelm or anxiety. You've got people who are working to their capacity, and this is one more thing, albeit huge, that tips them into anxiety, overwhelm, shut down in some fashion. Yeah. And so much of this depends, again, on manifestation and also individual situation. I have a client for whom things became very clear, brand new client, and we've decided to postpone coaching. She's in a service business that will not be operating while this is going on, especially in her location. She is very near a quarantine zone. So her business is on pause and she's not panicked about it. She's just accepting it and accepting that her priority right now is taking care of her family and dealing with what is immediately in front of her. And when there is space again for that bigger picture and the things that she wanted to work on in coaching, we will pick coaching back up. But right now, that's not the priority. But again, I also have clients for whom coaching is more important now than ever because their situation is different. My student still has school. I have another client who recently left his job. The job market is now going to be called into question and he is concerned about losing all routine. That snow day phenomenon, as you said, and he's recognizing that he needs support in that area so that with very little structure, he can stay structured. And regardless of what happens with the job market, he will have the habits and routines in place for when it turns, when he can find a new job, and when he can go back to work. It won't be a starting from ground zero because I've lost all structure. 
So yeah. it's both. It's how it's affecting your personal life and how your ADHD shows up. And I guess both, this is three now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, what supports have you lost? Cam and I haven't lost much in the way of support in terms of our day-to-day working life. We have other disruptions like children out of school. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that one. Yes. And we could come back to that. So we have other disruptions, which we'll come back to in a minute, but we've already formed our supports around being individuals who are self-employed that work from home. So we are less affected in those areas than those of you who relied on an outside environment to be productive and are still being asked to work, or those of you whose income is lost because your place of work has closed. I really appreciate the distinction you're making between situation and manifestation, because situation is those external factors that are contributing to your experience. The person who is a service in the service industry where their uh, employment is impacted directly is going to impact them differently than someone who is, a, say, a remote worker. It and on top of them. that, if you are a primary or sole provider for your household and in right. that situation versus if you are dual income, as both of our households are, and you have more resources or more options available to you because of that. Right. The the manifestation piece is, again, what is your own experience? How is your ADD coming into play in that land of effect? If you're prone to anxiety, this is probably a trigger for anxiety. Um, if you tend to work in the margins, right, right up to capacity, and this tips you into kind of an overwhelmed state, it can be that too. There's another element here to look at causation going back up the slopes across the lunch counter and this whole notion of creating structure that what we do is we create structures or we, we have structures in our environments that we respond to. And so what I'd like to do is take a moment to address the snow day phenomenon is if you, you kind of realize, okay, things are different here. Things are not normal. I'm out of my routine. The whole natural cadence of work has really ground to a halt. All those, the busyness of life is sort of quieted down a great deal. And you're sitting there and it's feeling like a snow day. It's feeling like, hey, I can kick back. But you look at your task list and you still have plenty of things those quadrant two important, not urgent things that you could work on. And it's like, well, okay, I've got these things. Why aren't I working on them? And this is where your ADHD uniquely comes into play. And I think it's pretty consistent with most folks. This is where procrastination, which is a manifestation, comes into play because we don't have this, we have this glitchy activator. And so what to do in that situation when you ever feel like all those structural elements have kind of dissipated and it feels like it's time to kick back when in fact, it's an opportunity to get in some time on some things that matter and really just matter to you. 
Yeah. And an opportunity to notice and name the missing structures and recreate them. You know, part of my challenge when I transitioned from organizing to coaching was the fact that I did not have to get up and shower and get dressed to go meet my clients. Most of my clients meet with me on the phone. They don't see my face. They can't see if I've showered or not. They can't see if I'm still in my pajamas or not. But not getting ready in the morning changed the tone of my whole day. It lessened my productivity. I didn't feel like I was in a working mode. So I was meeting with my clients, but what was happening between those sessions was not productive or constructive because you know that I'm a big fan of one or the other. It doesn't have to be both and it doesn't always have to be productive, but it was a nightmare. It was a lot of time wasting. And so a supportive structure for me is getting up and getting ready. And when weather allows, walking my daughter to school. Now that sounds small, but if I hop in the car and drive her to school, I don't have to be showered. I don't have to be dressed. Nobody's really going to see me. If I walk her to school, not only do I have to be presentable enough to do so, it's also kind of a transition. Even though I'm just walking out of my house and then coming right back to my house, There's a mental shift in there from, okay, my morning sort of transitioning into the day, time is over. Now it's time to go into my office and sit down and work. So you found a practice where you had to develop the structure in order to be successful. Yes. And so what was the decision? Like, I'm kind of curious about the perspective shift when you went to, okay, this is really, this is important. I'm seeing that if I do this, it sets me up for success, right? So you can have that kind of realization, but what had you actually shift to the actual practice? I don't know if you remember this or not, Cam, but this was something we worked on when you were my coach. And so it was largely through coaching work and you digging around until we came up with the phrase, start with clean. All right. Yeah. You remember that now? Yeah. Yes. So when I wake up in the morning and do the bare minimum, wash my face, brush my teeth, put on some non-pajama clothes, I feel so much better and it sets a completely different tone for the rest of the day. And I know that I am in danger if I don't do those things of never getting to it. You know, if I say, oh, it's raining today, I'll just drive my daughter to school, which I'm going to do anyway because it's raining. So I'll just skip the morning routine stuff and do it after I get back home. It's never going to happen. And I'm going to miss that sort of catalyst for the rest of the day because I'm not going to do it. And even if I'm intending on showering in the middle of the day, which I do a lot, I know that's weird, but for me, showers happen most consistently if I do them like between client sessions because I hate going to bed with a wet head, but I also hate mornings just universally. So adding anything more into my morning is stressful. Even if I know I'm going to shower later in the day, washing my face, brushing my teeth and getting dressed makes a difference and makes that shower so much more likely to actually happen. I think... 
this time is ripe for distraction. And I think that part of being successful in our day and getting time on task that matters is also managing distractions. There's so much, we turn on the news, any of the, the social media platforms, and coronavirus is going to come up, right, of what's going on. And so it's, it's good to be informed, but also how much information is enough information, you know, and that finding, getting back to a basic routine. Now, I guess here's the thing that I'd like to say is the routine that you develop now in these times doesn't have to be identical to the one before all this happened. But introducing some normalcy to your life can be very helpful. It's really fascinating how that can impact us in a positive way. And so looking at whatever the routine was before and taking those elements that really mattered, being very selective and putting those back into practice. This is no longer snow days. This is the way it's going to be for some time is what, you know, again, on the, the 18th of March, this is the information that we have, is that this is a new normal and to get used to this. And so bringing some normalcy into your day, bringing some routine, but it might be a skeleton approach first. Right? Yeah, and so, I think it's important to say that it almost necessarily has to be because just as we tell our clients, you can't change everything at once. It's going to take you a while to find your stride. So find that sort of starting point, that thing that you can grab onto. You know, for us, it's wake up time. Everyone's at home now. You know, I'm used to having run of the house. (laughs) Cam, I know you're probably having that experience too. And now my husband, the software engineer, is working from home. And my daughter, who is nine, is doing school from home. So wake up time. And this just all started on Monday, by the way. So just a couple of days ago. Right. But we're all kind of getting up at our normal times and going about our normal days. And now this is kind of a unique thing that most people probably don't have. We all actually have a working space on a different floor of the house. Because I'm, oh, nice. I'm on the second floor and my daughter's computer is on our main floor and my husband's office is in our basement. So spread out there. Yeah. So we have, and there's a bathroom on every floor. <laughs> so, you know, we have some separation that other people may not have that might be a disruptor. But even then, my husband and I had to communicate a bit because him being home is disruptive to my normal routines or can be. Meanwhile, my husband, who is a neurotypical, finds working in an office to be a very supportive environment to the point that when he was considering looking for a new job, he would not consider telecommuting opportunities. So he's also got to figure out how to make that work for him. And I've got to figure out how I can support that. Meanwhile, both of us have to figure out how to support our kid while we're still working. She's old enough to entertain herself, but we don't want her getting stuck in snow day mode either. 
right? Not that some of that's not okay. And by the way, can I just throw in a very personal aside about my poor child and the catastrophe of tragedies for her? Sure. We were supposed to go to Disney World next week. Yeah. So that was the first thing to go. I made the decision to cancel that trip before the park was closed, just based on the situation. And she's very intelligent. So she was very sad, but... She's crying and saying, I understand it's not anybody's fault. And then we went to see my in-laws this weekend. She's very close with her Mimi and her Papa, knowing that that might be the last time we saw them for a while. And when she came to that realization as we were leaving, a lot of tears and sadness. And then we get home that Sunday night and her school calls and announces that they're closed for at least the next three weeks. And my kid loves school. So it's just, you know... The one disappointment after the other. And while heartbreaking in a way, it's also been pretty impressive to just see the resiliency there in a nine-year-old. I don't know. There's something amazing about kids and their just inherent resiliency in situations like this. Right. I've got a 16-year-old and 11-year-old. And I'm so impressed with how they're approaching this. Because we've never seen this before. No, right? even we in are, our lifetimes, Cam, we haven't seen yeah. this. We're, we're, we're so in new territory here. What I'm appreciating is what you were saying earlier about the communication with, with the people under the roof. Yeah. Right, is, is your situation changes. You know, my little routine is when it's uh, uh, several days a week, my wife goes off to work. She's a frontline healthcare worker. And my kids go off to school and I have the run of the house and that's just magical for me. I mean, that's, it's just magical. It's the best, right? Between, between <laughs> you and me. Oh yeah. Oh, I know. Between you and me. I know. Not, you know, my, my, my wife and my kids are not listening to this podcast, so they're not going to know this, but I mean, they do know, they do know that I cherish that time. And so now they're here and Christy and I have been, again, we just, communicating a lot about schedules, expectations, what is possible. And I think that that's something that we've really got to do is to be talking with folks, especially our, if we have a spouse or a partner in the house with us, roommate is discussing, you know, okay, here's the new norm and, and how can we adjust to make this work for everybody. You were talking about your nine-year-old daughter. My 11-year-old daughter is way into horses. And I'm telling you right now, because school shut down and also because the governor called for a state of emergency in Virginia, the schools can't do remote learning. Like they, you know, they can do some, but they can't do the, the fully functional remote learning just because of that state of emergency. So we can't really count on the school to, to provide structure and, and, um, and expectation and intention there. But her barn has opened up for, right, the, the horses still need tending. And we've gone out there and right, she's finding, again, just finding a place of normalcy and care. The horses don't know what's going on. 
and it sort of takes our mind off things. I went in there yesterday, first time. I usually don't go, but it was my day to go, and I went, and I was like, what can I do? And they're like, drive a tractor? And I'm like, about 30 years ago. And they're like, well, the ring needs drag. Can you drag the ring? And it's like, and you know, the guy at the, at the major league ballpark in seventh inning who goes around on the tractor and does the infield, you know that guy? Yeah. The tractor and the little dragger. That was me. And I was like, it was awesome. And for those 45 minutes, it was beautiful. Like it was just, there there I was doing my thing, not thinking about anything but this job right here. And for my, again, active brain, it was really nice to kind of have this, this little thing to do here. So kind of finding that. I think also another piece is a the the social element. Like, how do you stay socially connected given, you know, the the recommendations of social distancing? Absolutely, and, I was going to bring that up because as you were talking about multi person households, I have several clients who live alone, who are their own sole provider, and who are either not working right now or are working from home. And that's an element too. And I think in both cases, it's a struggle because when everything is happening under your roof with your family, it's hard to carve out that distinct social time because you're just, everybody is here all the time. So for us, we have decided I'm not working next week. I'm taking spring break just like I was going to for Disney. I already didn't have clients booked that week. And we're going to do as much as we can that is entertaining within the house that week and treat it like a vacation week. For my clients who are at home, some of them are using things like Twitch, which is a streaming platform for gamers where they can connect with friends that way. Netflix, I heard, has a Chrome extension now where you can watch something with a friend and have sort of a mutual pause play button so that everybody stays exactly on the same timing. For my daughter, that disconnect from her grandparents, who she's immensely close to, letter writing, which is kind of novel for her. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I just bought a roll of stamps and you can, you know, go into the old cards and I don't care. You want to send crazy birthday cards or whatever weird cards you find in there that we bought and never used, go for it. Use whatever you can find. So writing back and forth with her Mimi and her Papa and some of the other special people in her life. Yeah. And I, and I had a friend, I had a client who was doing board games with uh, Google Hangouts with the extended family. Absolutely. So, you know, it's again, like within structure, it can be really hard to create those different structures and those different sort of places where social time belongs and work time belongs when everything is happening in the same place. But that makes it more important than ever to turn your attention to that because otherwise we will all end up in snow day mode and sort of becoming more isolated than we need to be. And even the most introverted of us, at least in my experience, I'm an introvert, believe it or not, Cam. I think the first time I told you that, the face you made was <laughs> one of shock. But I am. I'm an introvert. But I have social needs. And I notice an effect on myself when I'm not connecting with my family and my friends. So that's something to pay attention to, too. Yeah. As we finish up here, there's something that I 
I want to bring up. And that's, again, with this, this notion of snow day. And this came actually from my client who mentioned the term snow day. And really the mindset going with that, which is, well, I'm just going to wait this out. Yeah. And there's the mindset that goes with the causation. The causation up on the slopes of Mount Rainier is, well, I don't have any structures in place to be successful. I'm just going to wait for those structures to come back and life to return as normal. And that what we're inviting you to do is to sort of shift that perspective. I'm going to wait this out to, okay, this is a unique situation. And what does this moment call for? How can I bring some elements of those structural elements that are part of my success? How can I resurrect those in a temporary fashion? So your big top, that tent, those structural elements, some of those have been kicked out. So it's not that you have to put them back in place exactly like they were before, because that's not possible. You cannot reproduce the situation, the structural elements that were in place before this whole thing broke. But you can put elements up that mimic or duplicate that effect to develop some element of a morning routine. I'm still working with my clients. I'm still riding my bike with my son. I'm taking my daughter to her horse barn because it brings great joy to her in this moment. And spending lots of time with my family and shifting because I was catching myself with kind of waiting this out, right? Like, okay, I'll just wait this out and, you know, things will return. And as this timeline goes farther and farther and moves farther into the future, the opportunity for us listener is to start to think about, okay, what is, what is kind of digging in and erecting my kind of temporary tent here? to hold up the things that I need to do and the things that I want to do. Is there an opportunity to dig into something that you don't normally get to dig into because of just the busyness of your day? Yeah. And the other thing that you're still doing is recording this podcast, which leads me to a couple of parting thoughts before we wrap up for today. It is our intention to continue to release a weekly podcast episode as long as that is possible for us. And it is our intention to communicate with you if that schedule changes because we want to stay consistent and we want this to continue to be a resource for you. We also don't know what things are going to look like next week when we get on the microphones again. So as much as it is relevant for us to stay on this very timely topic, we certainly will. So Stick with us as much as you can. Hopefully for some of you, this is a source of structure. That's what we certainly are aiming to do by staying consistent in these uncertain times. And if there's anything in particular that you're struggling with around this situation, reach out and let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at TranslatingADHD or on the website TranslatingADHD.com. And we'll certainly consider if we can bring that into an episode as we stay more timely for a little while, because next week could look different than this week and so on and so forth. And we are hanging in and doing what we can to manage just as you all are. So until next week, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam.
And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening and stay safe.